Hi, I'm Rick Warren and Merry Christmas. Christmas is going to be here very soon. And Jesus said in Luke 14, 23, go out into the highways and the countryside and urge everybody you find to come in so that my house will be full. Who are you thinking of to bring to your church? Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor or maybe your accountant or the person who rings up your groceries at the local market. Whoever it is, I want to challenge you to be a light at Christmas and invite them to services at your church. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the audio broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today, we begin a Christmas series called Behold the Best News Ever. In this series, Pastor Rick looks into the Bible and shares the good news that God really wants us to behold this Christmas. Before we get started, we want to let you know that very generous friends of the ministry are offering a $100,000 matching grant. That means that every dollar you give right now to help Daily Hope share the hope of Jesus around the world will be matched up to $100,000, making your gift go twice as far. You can find out more by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Right now, here's Pastor Rick with part one of a message called Radical Love. This uh, Christmas, I want us to look at the most famous verse in the Bible. It's not a very long verse, but it is the most famous and the greatest verse in the Bible. Billions of people over history have memorized this verse, and of course, that would have to be John, what? 316. John 3.16 is the most famous verse in the Bible. You can often find it anywhere in our culture. Maybe you've seen this guy like at Super Bowl games here on the, on the, the he, he ends up in the, in the, you know, the end zone practically every, uh, every score, John 3.16 guy. A lot of athletes uh, have uh, to do with this. Here's Tim Tebow, uh, Heisman Trophy winner uh, for the Florida Gators. Here's uh, Austin 3.16, the wrestler, then uh, maybe you've seen pictures like this, uh, you know, turn or burn, you're gonna go to fry and die and you know, read John 3.16. Oh, that very positive message right there. Did you know at the bottom of every in and out cup, there is John 3.16 written on the bottom of every in and out drink. And of course, on the back of Doug Field's back, there is John 3.16. I took that when he wasn't looking. Uh, uh, and, but I just had to share it with you. So don't tell him I had that picture, please. John 3.16 explains the reason for Christmas. John 3.16 explains how to get to heaven. John 3.16 explains the entire Bible in a sentence. Let's read it together. John chapter three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you only got one verse out of the entire Bible and you got this one right, you're gonna make it. Because this one is the gospel, the good news in a nutshell. It is the greatest verse in the Bible. And I want us to tear it apart phrase by phrase tonight, looking at the greatest love, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest offer, and the greatest gift. The whole reason we give gifts at Christmas is God so loved the world that he gave. Now first let's look at the greatest love. The Bible says, God so loved the world. Now that little word so isn't a very big word, but in the original Greek, it is what's called an adverb of intensity. 
means a whole, whole lot. He so loved the world. Uh, if you're a single woman and the guy comes up to you and says, I love you, you might shine that on. If he says, I so love you, uh, you might pay a little bit more attention. That's an adverb of intensity. God's love for you is intense. God's love for you is uh, extravagant. God's love for you is lavish. No one will ever love you as much as God does. No man will ever love you like God does. No woman will ever love you like God does. Now, let me just show you a couple of verses out of the Bible. There are hundreds of verses on the love of God. But let me just show you a couple about how much God loves you. Look at this one. Ephesians chapter one says, long before he laid down the earth's foundations, God had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love. It says there that before God even made the universe, he already had you in mind and he made you to love you. The only reason you exist is you were made to be loved by God. And God planned the universe so that you could exist because he wanted a family and God made you to love you. Now that's not hard to understand if you're a parent. I used to tell my kids and now I tell my grandkids, I loved you before you were born, because I did. When my wife was carrying our three children, I didn't know if it was gonna be a boy or a girl, but I still loved them. I loved them in advance. And God loved you even before he created you. You were in his mind. He's always loved you. Not only that, he loves you every minute. Look at the next verse. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. Now, it doesn't say he showers compassion just on this religion or on just this nation or on this kind of people. He says the Lord is good to everyone. He showers his compassion on all his creation. And everything in your life is actually a gift from God. Now, you take it for granted. You probably have never even thanked God for it. But for instance, like uh, air is a gift. You know, you wouldn't last very long without air. But I doubt you've ever said, God, thank you for air. But you have to have it. The air you breathe, the water you drink, your body's over 90% water, the sunshine, the food, all of these things are gifts of God. Your heart beating is a gift of God. You wouldn't take your next breath if God hadn't planned for you to take it because he loves you. Everything in your life is a free gift of God, a gift of grace, whether you ever recognize it or not. And maybe you need to be a little bit more grateful for all the things in your life that God has given you, including your life. So God's love for you is eternal and God's love for you is, is literally everywhere. But the most important thing is that it's unconditional. And that's different than human love. Human love wears out. Human love doesn't always work out. We know that at Christmas times when you try to put fractured families back together, it's kind of like, well, where are we going this year and who are we going where to? And, and there's a lot of... Uh, 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 broken relationships that often show up at, at holiday seasons because human love wears out, but God's love never wears out. There is no condition where God will ever stop loving you. That's called unconditional love. Look at this verse. Nothing in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It says nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. You can't make God stop loving you. You can try, but you will fail. Because God's love isn't based on who you are, it's based on who he is. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on your performance. God isn't waiting for you to be nice and to act right for him to love you. His love is based on who he is. He loves you on his bad days, and he, on your bad days, he loves you on your good days. He loves you when you feel it, when you don't feel it. In fact, a thousand years ago, in fact, 
before God even created the universe. God knew that you would be in a Saddleback Church on Christmas Eve service so he could get you to be quiet long enough just so he could say this to you. You matter to me. And I love you. I have always loved you. I loved you before you were born. I thought you up. I created you. I saw you take your first breath. I saw you formed in your mother's womb. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in your life, and I've never stopped loving you because my love for you is unconditional. Now, God's love, if you tap into it, is sufficient to handle any problem in your life. It's multidimensional. In fact, look at the next verse. The Bible says, may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high God's love really is and experience this love for yourselves. Notice God says, I don't want you to just know that I love you. I want you to experience it. You see, if you go, oh yeah, I know God loves me. I know that big deal, so what? Then you've never, you've never experienced it. Because when you experience the unconditional, eternal, lavish, outrageous love of God, it changes your life. And if you just say, oh yeah, I know God loves me, you don't really understand it at all. You may have a head knowledge, but you don't have a heart knowledge of it. He says, I want you to experience the love of God. And that is my prayer for you this Christmas. He says, I want you to know how wide and long and high and deep it is. How long is God's love? Long enough to last forever. How, how wide is God's love? Wide enough to be everywhere you're gonna be. How deep is God's love? Deep enough to handle any problem. How high is God's love? High enough to overcome any barrier. God can overcome a barrier of a foreclosure. God can overcome a barrier of a job loss. God can overcome a barrier of a cancer. God can overcome a barrier of, of a loss of a loved one or a death or divorce. God is saying, I love you so much. Now the second part of John 3:16 tells us about the greatest sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, it, God so loved that he gave. Love and giving go together. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Giving is the essence of love. You spell love, G-I-V-E. And the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to come to earth and die for us. Now, you've heard the expression, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And that's exactly what God did. He said, I'm gonna go myself and solve this sin problem on earth. I'm gonna go myself and, and die for the forgiveness of sins of everybody. I'm so glad it doesn't say God so loved the world that he sent an avatar. <laughs> God so loved the world that he sent an angel. God so loved the world that he sent an ambassador. God so loved the world that he sent a telegram. It doesn't say God so loved the world that he sent a nice guy, a prophet, a poet. It doesn't say God so loved the world that he sent a great teacher. It says he sent his son. Who was his son? Who was that baby in a manger 2009 years ago? He was God in human form. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now, why did God come to earth in human form? Because he wanted to communicate to us. So he became one of us. If God had wanted to communicate to ants, he would have become an ant. If God had wanted to communicate to cows, he would have become a cow. If God had wanted to communicate to birds, he could have become a bird. But God wanted to communicate to human beings, so he became one of us. 
God with skin on it. If you ever want to know what God looks like, take a long look at Jesus. Jesus said this, next verse, he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. I'm God coming to earth in human form. And it split history into AD and BC. It's the most significant event because uh, God invaded earth. And the nice thing about it is that God didn't meet us halfway. He didn't say, I'll meet you halfway, uh, you got a problem. No, he said, I'll come all the way. I'll come to earth and I'll become like one of you. Now, why did God come to earth as a baby? I mean, you figure of all the ways God could have presented himself to earth, I could think of a lot more spectacular ways than a baby in a barn. I mean, that's a pretty humble, lowly approach to, for God to enter the world. Well, I'll tell you why he came as a baby. Because God came to save us, not to scare us. And nobody's afraid of a baby. There are a lot of ways God could have come to earth that would have scared us all to death. I mean, if you've ever seen, you know, any of the movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind or V or, uh, you know, Independence Day, God could have come down in a giant spaceship or whatever. He could have really freaked us all out. But he came as a baby because nobody's afraid of a baby. And he didn't come to scare us. He came to save us. The problem is, is that most of us uh, uh, in our minds get stuck in that mentality. And some people won't let Jesus grow up. They, their, their whole mentality is the baby Jesus, meek and mild in the manger because he's harmless and he's controllable. They don't want to think that he grew up and, and went to the cross and died and suffered for our sins and then demanded allegiance. If Jesus had just stayed as a baby, we wouldn't need to, need to worship uh, and have Christmas services because it would be irrelevant. Christmas without the cross has no message at all. Now, Jesus came to earth. God came to earth in human form, in the form of Jesus, to do several things. One, to show us what God is really like. Two, to tell us the truth. Three, to show us the way. Four, to show us how to live a, a model life. But the number one reason Jesus came to earth at Christmas is he came to die. He was born to die, to die for our sins. The Bible says this, look on the screen. God put his love on the line for us. In other words, he put his money where his mouth is. He just didn't say, I love you. He showed it. God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. This is the sacrifice he did. While we were of no use whatsoever, whatever, to him. Jesus didn't have to die for you. He didn't have to die for me. God wasn't obligated to die on the cross for us. He did it because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, why did he have to do that? Well, there's a real simple reason for it. God wants you to be with, in heaven with him when you die. But heaven is a perfect place and you're not. And by the way, neither am I. Heaven is a perfect place. The Bible says there's no sin in heaven, no suffering in heaven, no sorrow in heaven, no sickness in heaven, no sadness in heaven, no trials, temptations, no problems, there's no greed, there's no envy, there's no anger, there's no lust, there's no sin in heaven. It is a perfect place. Now there's a problem. I stopped being perfect about the fourth or fifth breath of my life. And so did you. I stopped batting a thousand a long time ago. So if God lets all of us into heaven being imperfect, it's not gonna be a perfect place anymore. Unless we are changed before we get to heaven, Heaven wouldn't be any different than earth. 
If all of a sudden we all go there with our lust, with our judgments, with our pettiness, with our self-centeredness, and with all of our other sins, heaven would be no different than earth. So how do you get imperfect people into an eternal heaven? Somebody has to do a transformation process. And Jesus said, I'll go to earth, I'll die for their sins, pay for them all, so they don't have to pay for them, they could get in on my ticket. I read this week about a Christmas letter to Santa Claus from this little boy. He said, dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There's Jeffrey, uh, he's two, there's David, he's four, and there's Norman, he's seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. The reason why we need a savior is you ain't Norman. And neither am I. None of us are Norman. None of us bat a thousand. None of us are perfect. None of us have never shoot. I don't measure up to my own standards, much less God's perfection, and neither do you. And so we need a savior. The Bible says at the first Christmas, the angel said, unto you is born this day a savior who can get you into heaven, who is Christ the Lord. Now friends, believe me, if you didn't need a savior to get in heaven, God sure wouldn't have wasted the time to send one. All of the suffering, all of the sorrow, all of the sadness that God went through when he sent his son to die on the cross, it, do you think if there was any other way, God wouldn't have used that way? to pay for your sins? Of course he would have. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, he was saying, this is how much I love you. I love you this much. And when they nailed the nails into his hands, he was saying, I love you so much it hurts. I love you so much I'd rather die than live without you. I love you. It was love in the first degree. What was going on there when Jesus was hanging on the cross dying for the sins of man? Well, look at this verse on the screen. The Bible says it like this. When Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good. Not only ours, but the whole world. Man, that's good news. That is the greatest sacrifice. And why did he do it? Because he loves you and he wants you in his family and he wants you in heaven. But it's perfect and you're not. You know, when I uh, take my kids uh, our grandkids now to uh, Disneyland. I, I love to take them, and the two oldest ones, uh, Kaylee is six years old, and she wants to go on some of the adult rides at Disneyland, but there are some of the rides there that says, you must be this tall to ride. You know what I'm talking about? There's a little sign that says, you must be this tall to get on this ride. And no matter how much she stands on her tiptoes, she's not tall enough. And no matter how much I complain, so I'm the grandfather, I will hold her in my lap, she'll be okay. They won't let her ride because she's not tall enough. Friend, there's a sign outside of heaven that says, this is a perfect place. You must be this tall to get in. Perfect. And you're not. And neither am I. And somebody's got to make up the difference. So this was God's plan. Look at the verse on the screen. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. And then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. That's the only chance I have in getting into heaven. And so if I only make it up this tall because I'm not perfect, Jesus makes up the difference. His righteousness takes care of all of us. So what really happens? He showed his love by dying for our sins. Now that's the greatest 
sacrifice. The next is the greatest offer. Look at the third part of the verse. God so loved the world, greatest love, that he gave his only begotten son, that's the greatest sacrifice. Now we come to the greatest offer, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Thank you so much for listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We've got some incredible news to share with you. Very generous friends have given a $100,000 matching grant to this ministry. That means all this month, every dollar you give to help Daily Hope share the transforming love of Jesus with people around the world will be matched up to $100,000. Here's Rick to tell you more. I know I tell you this all the time, but again, I want you to know how much I thank God for you and appreciate your support of Daily Hope. We couldn't do this without your prayers, and we can't do it without your financial gifts. And I know that for many of you, this is a real sacrifice in order to be able to support the ministry of Daily Hope as we take the message of Christ literally around the world into places that nobody else is going to. As you consider your year in giving, I, I want to ask you to consider about sending your greatest gift to Daily Hope that you've ever given. You know, the great news is that in this month, your financial gift will be doubled because a generous friend is offering a $100,000 matching grant. And they've challenged all of the rest of us to give as much as we can, and they will match it up to $100,000. That means that every dollar you give to Daily Hope in December, up to $100,000, will be doubled. You give $25, it's like giving $50. And if you give $100, it's like giving $200. And if you're able to give $1,000 or more, it will be doubled. Your generosity, and of course, Christmas is all about the spirit of generosity. God so loved the world that he gave your generosity makes this ministry possible. It allows us to reach into refugee camps. It allows us to reach out around the world, overseas. It allows us to reach people who could not ever afford to pay for any discipleship tools or materials. So your donations matter. Let me ask you a, a personal favor. Don't forget to pray for us during this season. We're praying for you. Let me know that you prayed. It really blesses me to hear from you. you. I love the letters, the emails, the cards, the stories that come in, because it helps me realize we truly are partnering together in this ministry. It's not about me. It's about the Word of God, and it's about what we can do together that none of us could do on our own. We are more effective together. We're better together. Thanks for listening today, everybody, and join me next time as we continue to look into God's Word for our daily hope. God bless you, and have a great Christmas season. You can give right now by going to PastorRick.com or by texting the word daily to 800-600-5004. We'll say thanks by sending you the brand new Daily Hope Prayer Journal. Again, that's PastorRick.com or text the word daily to 800-600-5004. Thank you so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.